Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right. You said go live, and I did. That is the best. <laughs> best music so hey you know what damon you sit back i've got the intro you dude there we go i can relax sit back like this and relax you just sit back and you just relax man i don't mean be bossy but you just sit back and relax just be the zen master that you are damon okay zen master hey everybody welcome 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 happy tuesday and boy are we thrilled we are here at faces of business the faces of business i might add and we have an amazing, incredible guest. I don't know how we landed this guest. So Nicole Donnelly, my co-hostess with Amosis, happy Tuesday. How are you? I have been looking forward to this all day long, Kurt Anderson. We get to have Damon Pistolka in the hot seat. If he only knew what curveballs we were going to be throwing oh, his way today. It's it's going to get great. We've been, Damon, we've been practicing all day. Hey, Michelle's here. Guys, drop, hey, Michelle. drop us a hello Michelle. in the chat box. And again, if you haven't connected with this, this fine young man, Damon Pistolka, you absolutely want to connect with Damon. So, Damon, are you, are you right? Like, That's this, what my mom says. <laughs> I talked to your mom earlier today. I got a yeah. little dirt on you, so we're going to go yeah. there. Okay, are you ready? Jeez, oh. there wouldn't be a little. <laughs> well, that's a truckload. That's another story. Yeah, I got I got a hold of some of your high school friends, and that's all. Oh, we're <laughs> <laughs> back at the train. Train full. All right. So, Damon, let's just go there. Let's just get this out of the way. So, faces of business. How many episodes? Uh, what, what number are we on here? Number th- five thousand and twenty. I really don't count. I really you don't, don't count. count. Okay. I just know that there's more interesting people every day to, to talk with. It's just a blessing, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Damon, Fridays and on Mondays, I only have one question that I ask. So I'm coming right at you, my friend. And I might know the answer. Who's your hero when you were growing up? Well, it's I knew you were going to ask this. I kind of figured it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Captain Obvious, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, I, I was fortunate. I, I grew up around my parents. I mean, around, around my parents and my grandparents. I mean, my uh, living on the farm, my grandparents, I saw my grandfather almost every day. He would come and have, you know, eat lunch at the house and work at the farm. And so I saw my dad and my grandpa every day. And, 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 and uh, you know, it was my, my mom too, but my dad and my grandpa, I spent more time with them and right. You know, my grandpa taught me how to how to like disassemble a lawnmower engine and put it back together. Man. So he would bring me old lawnmowers. He'd say, You can fix this. Can you fix this? He'd bring them to me and say, Oh yeah, I can fix it. We'd fix them. Gosh. Yeah. You know, at that age, you don't even remember because you go, Oh, this piece and this piece fit together. Yeah. So you'd have three different motors and put it into one. Right. And the right. darn thing would start. How the heck would you do that? So 
you know, that's so funny. When I was a kid, I had the opposite. My dad was a, he was an entrepreneur and he was the guy that was going to hire someone to do all that stuff. He didn't do it all himself. He was like the king of, all right, I'm in charge. You do this, you do that. <laughs> yeah. So I needed your grandfather. As a matter of fact, I need your grandfather right this minute because Nicole, my lawnmower just died over the weekend <laughs> and I am the same as your father. I am like, if I have a, a tool in my hand, like my wife is calling nine one one. Like, like, what are you yeah. doing with that screwdriver? Why are you touching that hammer? So, like, people panic if I have a tool. So, Damon, let's dig into Grandpa. First name, Charlie. Grandpa Charlie, and your father's name, Dwayne. Oh, you know what? I never knew that. My father's name is Dwayne. Oh yes. How insane is that? I never knew yes. that. So yeah. So I my uncle's name is Dwayne. Who knew? Well, what a great name Dwayne. back in the what 30s, 40s, whenever yeah. these guys were 30s coming around. 40s, so yeah. all right. So I know about my dad's nickname is Dewey. They call him Screwy Dewey. So I don't know about if you're, you know, but he was he was literally, but anyway, that's another story. So let's get into Grandpa Charlie. What was so wonderful about Grandpa Charlie? So taught you lawnmower, just spend a ton of time with you, great influence. Let's let's take it a little bit further. What give us give us more details on Grandpa Charlie. Well, my grandpa was an immigrant from from Czechoslovakia. Nice. Uh, he came across when he was a baby and uh, um, moved into the Dakotas where we grew up on the farm where his, I think his father was on the farm where we were at. So my dad was the third generation on that farm. My brother was the fourth and, and uh, he, he had third grade education. You know, but he was able, he was one of the first guys around that with that. My dad still talks, well, did still talk about it. You know, he went to the bank, got a loan, bought land, did all that stuff. And, you know, in the twenties and thirties and, and wow. yeah, and growing up, I was, I was really, really fortunate. I mean, like I said, he taught me that stuff. He taught me woodworking. He, um, and he was always around. He was always around too. So he's present real quick. Why, why the Dakotas? How did, how, how did he land in the, the Dakotas? Other family was there. Other family. Yeah. Nicole, Damon, you got? Yeah. My grandma, her parents, my great grandparents, they emigrated through Ellis Island from Slovakia. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? They, they settled in Montana. Yeah. Very cool. That's very cool. My wife's Czech, but her descendants are, there's a lot of Czechoslovakian going on right here. So let's get in. I want to, I want to slide over to mom. I want to talk about Mm -hmm. mom for a minute now. Okay. You constantly, you know, you always talk about like, Hey, I'm just, I'm the guy that grew up on a farm in South Dakota. So typically people, you know, like maybe education isn't like top priority. Now, how about, I think your mom kind of defied that rule a little bit. tell, Tell Nicole about mom a little bit. Let's hear about, Mrs. Pistoka. Well, we had to, we, we grew up knowing we were going to college mm. and people would ask my mom, cause we live in a small town, right? In the middle of in South Dakota. And then people would say, well, why do you need to go to college? You guys, you know, you guys are going to be here in farming. And my mom said, no, the kids are going to college. So my mom, after my sister's 10 years younger than I am. And my sister was just about ready to graduate high school. And my mom went back to college. She always mm-hmm. wanted to finish college. And my dad was supporting her and said, yep, go ahead and go do it. Do what you want. Well, my mom ended up getting uh, a degree in elementary education. Then she got a PhD or whatever you go all the way to get a doctorate in elementary education and ended up being a superintendent of well, teacher, superintendent wow. of schools, then a principal of schools or principal, then superintendent, however it works, of a school district 
and did that for, she was in the education system for 20 years before she retired Man. and retired at 70. So yeah, she would, she, yeah, we, yeah. I, I always Why? laugh because I've, I've only got one, I've got one degree and I'm the only one in my family that's got one degree. Why do you think she had such a, like, was her family well-educated? Why did she want you no. to go to college so much? It was just, she thought that was the way. That was the way. That was the way. Interesting. That was the way. You know, that's very similar to Kurt's mom. Kurt's mom had a very similar kind of experience. She went back to school when he was older too. Yep. And cool. uh, yeah. Yeah. I tell you, that was uh, one thing that Damon and I have always, you know, we just worship our mothers. We look up yeah. to them and just, you know, what an inspiration for yeah. later in life. And just, you know, for your mom and, and thank you, Nicole, for my mother, you know, total hero to, you know, mm -hmm. like at any age under tough circumstances and like, they're, you know, kids are grown out of the house and now it's my, it's little me time and I'm going to go pursue a doctorate. Isn't that just fascinating? She goes and gets a doctorate and just built this wonderful career after raising her children. So, Damon, all right, let's go here. Man, and Nicole, we're going to be we're playing a little tennis match here. We're going to be going back and forth on questions. But let's let's, yeah. let's get into a little bit of the origin story on Mr. Pastoka, since he does such an amazing job asking everybody else all the questions. Right. Damon, you go off to college and you start you get into a little bit of engineering and you pave your path towards manufacturing. Let's let's go there. Why engineering? Why manufacturing? It was all an accident. <laughs> there was a cute girl in the class, right? Or I don't know. There was something. I'm just teasing. But what, almost, what almost, almost. How did it happen? Uh, went to school. Uh, didn't know any better because I was, I mean, I was literally the first one to go to college out of, I don't know. I don't think any of my, my aunts or uncles or anybody had right. anybody going to college. So I'm going to college, right? I got no idea what I'm doing. And I go talk to my counselor and he says, Oh, you should be in agriculture, agricultural economics. That's what you're going to do. And I did one semester of it. And I met a guy that actually in the dorm where I lived and he was in engineering. I said, well, what's that about? That was all it took. That's all it took. I started taking, I was, I was out of that. I was into, I was into engineering and, and away you go. And it was, uh, um, it was really hard. <laughs> it was yeah. really hard for me. I'm not a, I'm not a great student. Right. I mean, I, 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 I was very, I, yeah, I go back to school now. It's easier. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but I, you know, but it was, that's how I got into it. And then I got, I fell into man. I didn't fall into manufacturing. There were, there were, I think in my sophomore year or something, there were internships who we were talking about internships. And I was like, what this, what's this, you know? So you go work at these companies. I said, you mean that means I don't have to go back and Huck feed at the local feed store or work on the farm all summer. They said, yeah, you go get, you get paid for that. I said, I'm in. So I found myself a, a, a an internship at a small electronics um, uh, test equipment manufacturer in Sioux Falls there. And, and then that led into when I went back to school, I actually got in my first company where I worked for a long time, Falcon Plastics. I had, I had, designed a part that was in plastic that they molded and Ooh, after a couple cool. months into school i got to go to work there and nice. spent the next 12 years there awesome so now if i'm not mistaken you you found your way to tennessee of all places with them yeah. how, how did you end up in tennessee well they wanted to build a new plant down there and and uh, i had already redesigned or built two plants for them and had no, I mean, I, I, I helped kind of supervise a few engineers, but I had no leadership experience whatsoever. 
And they said, well, we're going to build that plant down there. I said, hey, do you want me to run it? I was kind of joking. You know, I was in my late 20s. But were you really joking, Damon? Or did you no, really? I wasn't really joking. I wanted yeah, to go do it. And, and But I was kind of, kind of joking because I was like, you know, are they really going to believe me? They said, sure, go ahead and do it. So I literally built, it was a cornfield. And we called your we bluff. Bought, yeah, I called my bluff. And so I said, so then I, then I started my travel career for a while. And uh, we built that plant and ran that for five years. You know, we had a little bit of seed business, but it was it was a ton of fun. We learned so much with all the people that I was, I brought like a half a dozen people with me and, and some of them are still there in the same town and, uh, and building the rest of the team. We ended up, I think we had close to a hundred people working 24 seven when we left. Yeah. But I mean, that had to have been a big transition to be like heads down engineer to now shifting gears entirely to stepping into a leadership role and really having to manage people and all that goes into people management. Was that transition, like, was it a natural transition for you to, to step, like, had you been building up to that? Or what was that like for you to kind of step from more of like a hard skill position into like trying to learn more soft skills and, and uh, managing people? Did you like that I more? Sucked, I sucked at it. I sucked at it in the beginning. I did. I know. Cause I was, I was, you know, I, as hard, I was a technical guy. I was used to yeah. being like, okay, this is what we got to do. Let's go yeah. do it. You know? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you run into a few real, real bangers and you figure out that, <laughs> okay, we got to do, we got to get people's buy-in and all this stuff. They don't just get it like you would in, in the technical part of it, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And um, I did all, I, I don't say always, but I, I did develop a knack to build team members, give them responsibility and do that from right early age. I was like mm. encouraging people, let them go, let them make mistakes. Don't worry about it. if we make some mistakes, we're going to do that. And because uh, I had made tons, tons in life, tons and tons in business. And and uh, and that was fun because we we really a lot of us grew up together in there. And that was who, a good time. Damon, who were like was grandpa Charlie kind of like in your ear was dad, uh, you know, like other mentors, like how did you, how did you develop like your leadership skills and ability? Like, you know, kind of thrown in right into the fire, right? Like how did you yeah. develop that, that leadership ability? You know, the, the owner of the business, Don Bender, super nice guy. And his sons is at this point, his sons, Jay and, and Guy were already taken over the business to a certain extent, but Don had always stayed in touch with me. And, and really he was my business mentor. Cause I remember mm-hmm. I started working there in, in college, like my third year of college. And I stay, I was in college for almost five years. So it was a while I was working part-time and he would take the time to explain business to me. Yeah. And this is a guy that's got a $15 million business and I'm some, punk kid going to school for engineering and had all these ideas of we should do this we should do that mm-hmm. um but he always did he always took the time to explain things to me and really help when i needed help and and he instilled that in his in his sons and and they were pretty good at that too and, and you know they, that's who really started off though mm, that's so cool i when i first uh, one of the first jobs i took out of college i had a mentor like that and she very much would, was very open about business and all of that. And um, I, I can't believe how much I learned from her. And I think, you know, it's so important for anybody in a leadership position to make sure you're taking the time to do that, to teach and to coach the people underneath you. And I'm sure like as in your business, 
that's what you're trying to teach people all the time is what's your succession mm -hmm. plan? How can you like build a, you know, coaching and training and everything? That's so cool. Well, I learned too that, you know, in those earlier years, I learned that it's not necessarily the big shiny piece of equipment that you really need. You need to utilize everything you have first. And if you're utilizing that to the maximum extent, people, equipment, everything, then you can look at uh, what, what else do I need? But it's not the shiny tools that are going to make the difference. Okay. It's not the shiny tools. Drop the mic, Nicole. How about that one, huh? It's not yeah. the shiny tools. I learned that the hard way, though. <laughs> so, Damon, so let's, side, let's go here. So great opportunity. Uh, living large in Tennessee, you know, great uh, growing state, southern state. Seattle comes knocking on your door. Yep. Dude, like how on earth do you go from South Dakota, Tennessee, now you're going to the great Northwest. How walk us through that transition. Yeah. You know, I was working for a family business there at the, at the molding company and, and I was at the highest level I could be. And I just, I was going, okay, I want, I want to someday run companies. That's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I'd been at this for four or five years and I was like, okay, what else? And I don't know. It's, it's like all of a sudden a recruiter called me next thing you know, I'm interviewing and I'm on my way to Seattle and there's a, in the town next to us in Tennessee that need, had a plant that needed to have somebody run it. And, and uh, I got a job at that running that plant, which is a bit bigger and a bit more money. And, and uh, uh, as far as revenue through the plant and stuff and um, super horrible neighborhood, I just, I, I was one of these, I mean, <laughs> super horrible neighbor. I remember I drove to the place the first time, you know, just checking it out. And I'm like, holy heck, am I going to get, get up? I'm going to get carjacked here or something. And, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I went there and, and that's where we were making checkout counters for grocery stores. Yeah. So if you've, if you've been in a grocery store and had stuff, I don't care which one it is on the East coast or West coast or in the middle, you probably, uh, one of those probably came out of that company. What was your favorite part about managing the manufacturing process? Like, what did you just love about it? What is it that just kind of like lit you up when you'd go to work every day? making stuff yeah making stuff holy heck cut kurt seen me you know you get <laughs> in there you make something i would i would you know it doesn't matter if it's made out of metal or plastic or whatever but you see something that's put together and really cool and just run your hand down the side of it and just it, it doesn't matter it's the coolest stuff ever when you go that was that, you know, two days ago, that was a pile of wood or that was a pile of steel mm -hmm. or that was plastic pellets. And now look what it came out. It's going inside of a, you know, whatever it's, um, I've been, I've been so lucky in all the different things I've been able to do. I mean, I still walk around. I know I nerd out Kurt all the time. Yeah. I, I helped those guys design that, you know, yeah. you know, look at an Amrex fire extinguisher. I was the one that helped the strap around the outside. I remember when we designed it with them and built it, built the molds and started making them. Cool. Uh, and, and for 3M, a lot of stuff that doctors use still today to, to uh, sterilize your body before you, before they cut you open. You know, it was, it was a ton of fun in that, in those businesses. Very cool. So Damon, let's, so let's go here. So now you, you land in Seattle, you settle roots, you have a family. And so let's go through uh, and how, and, and cause I want to, I want to save time. I'm going to get to like, you know, your superpower, very modest, very humble guy, but you know, you are the exit your way. You're the exit strategy guy, succession planning, very passionate about helping folks 
go through that transition, go through that process. And one thing that you, you and I just spent a great week in Alaska together. We did a couple workshops. Yeah, lots of fun. You and I had a little epiphany of like every single entrepreneur at some point in time, whether they like it or not, under their own circumstances or not, are going to leave their business. Yep. We all get to leave. And that was like, that was an aha for, you know, like death taxes. If you're an entrepreneur, (laughs) you are exiting your business one way or another. We'll get into that in a minute. But as you come into Seattle and you're working in manufacturing, you did a little private equity, did a couple of like anything that you want to share for that transition until you, you hooked up with Andrew and kind of got going yeah. with the business you have. But let's let's touch that private equity. That's what I mean. Those guys that own that business for the first time I ever worked with investor-owned businesses. And yep. uh, and subsequently, I worked for several more beyond that. But I learned so much about finance. And I, I, I knew a little bit of operational finance before that, but I really got to know. And I got in it. And then I was also in those companies from then on and all the other companies. I was a guy that had to do the board presentations every month. And I was, I went from, I had never done that to having to do it every month. And that was, that was quite a, quite a thing. Did you like I never, it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Once you got, I mean, I mean, it, it's a hot seat when things aren't going well. Cause <laughs> I, I, was, I was in turnaround situations a few times and that, and when you, when you know, when it's, and it's, things aren't going right. How'd you handle um, it? Yeah. I mean, the turnaround situations or the, yeah. the hot seat, like being like in the hot, hot seat, seat. It's, you it's, know, it's the biggest thing, biggest thing that people need to know when you're in the hot seat is don't overpromise. You always underpromise. Mm. You always underpromise a little bit and you always beat it. You always beat it a little bit. Even if you go, okay, our sales are going to be 2 million or whatever it is. And they want it to be 2.5. You say, nope, sales are going to be 2 million. This is why. If they're 2.5, that's a great day. Everybody's happy. If it's 1.9, everybody's upset, right? Oh, so smart. Take, take a little heat in the beginning and you'll be a hero in the end, right? <laughs> take a little and, heat in the beginning, you'll be a hero in the end. That's yeah. real. It's it well, and it's, so it's where when when people oh. when people ask me about why are you such a such a crazy guy about getting these weekly dashboards and knowing how much our gross margin in each week and do that. I said, because I used to go in those board meetings and, and after about two, when you go and, and the financials come out and it's different than you thought they should be based on what you're watching out there before I had dash, we, you know, we bill yeah. out the dashboard and stuff. When you get to the end of the month with investors and, and it doesn't turn out like you kind of like you thought it was going to, that can, you can lose your job, right? So mm-hmm. you only have about two or three months like that in an investor-owned company before you're out the door. And that's where I learned all this stuff. And that's why I'm such a, such an, I, you know, I just promote it so much because yeah. it gives you so much clarity in the way you run your business. Right. And that's, that's what we did. And then, and then on the other side of that too, when you want to grow your business, there's nothing better than understanding, did I sell enough today? Did I sell enough this week? And then, and then I generated the profit. That's the way it is. Mm, so, so good. yeah, fun yeah. stuff. But Take that's what I learned. That even in even in the uh, the very worst situations, I mean, people started calling me. The investors that I work with called me subsequently to have me come in. And, oh, we got a bad one. You want to come and look at it? And I was like, okay, you know, dumb, like dummies. <laughs> and. You know, so it's, it's, but that, that same process works. 
it works. Mm. It works so I have a couple of follow-up questions for you. Do you serve on a lot of boards now? No. Do you like to, no, do you not, do you do that by choice? You don't want to, or? No, I just, I just, I haven't pursued it. I've been yeah. on a few in the last year um, mm -hmm. or in the last couple of years, uh, but I just haven't found the right fit other than the ones I'm already on. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I have another question. Okay. So typically a lot of the engineers I've worked with, they tend to be like, there's like this great divide. Okay. If you're really good at engineering, it's really hard for you to be good at like sales and marketing from my experience, the people I've seen, they just don't really get it. So how, or maybe that's, maybe that's my misunderstanding. Maybe they do get no. it. They just don't. No. So as an engineer, how, how do you bridge the, how were you able to bridge that gap and really see, mm. understand why sales and marketing is so critical, how to do it right. Right. Like, that's my first question. And then how do you, how would you recommend to other engineers like that they understand that? Because I'm telling you, there's like, a, there's like this wall and it yeah. is a painful. <laughs> yeah. Being exact, being exact is mm -hmm. kind of, kind of painful for me. And I think that helped me with, with man leadership and, and everything mm -hmm. outside of engineering. I mean, I can do it, but it's not what I really want to do. I want to, I want to, I want to create, I want to create something that nobody else has. Yes. That turns into whatever it turns into, but I want, and, and that's how I kind of, I was, I was able to do that in my career with, I think it helped me a lot in leadership and it still helps me a lot in leadership because I can, I can visualize and work things through to a point that I've thought through some of it, at least so it's not quite as harebrained as people would first think. But um, it still has a lot of development to do. And where you see mm -hmm. engineers, they want to get down to the finite details. I don't need to. I just get to the, you know, I'm 75% in. This is going to be a pretty good idea. And we're going. And, and, and we'll figure it out. And Kurt knows this. I'll just say, yeah. good idea. Let's do it. And yeah. that helps a lot when you're leading people and you've got a good mm -hmm. team around you. You build a good team around you and you go, what do you guys think? And if you're the leader and willing to do that, you're going to take your team so much farther, so much faster. Love it. You got to fail. You got to fail. And, and you just go, okay, are we reasonably, you know, like engineers want to be hundred percent. They want to build in safety factors and all that. I lost my safety factors mm -hmm. decades ago and you just got to go. You got to make a good, yeah. good decision and get, get going. Sometimes you just got to get on the field, right? You yeah. just got yeah. to get right. on the field and go. We, we can yeah. only, we can only run this player practice so many times. We got to get on yeah. the field and, you know, hear the, you know, somebody's going to throw a flag. We might make a mistake, you know, make a call, you know, there's yeah. a foul, right? Just and it. And I know it's very cliche, you know, like, oh, you have to fail. You have to fail. But just really like, like, what does that mean? What do you mean by fail? You know, like really digging yeah. into it. Like, you know, Nicole, you know, Man, just how many how many mistakes this year alone, right? By the past Whoa. week, right? Right, Damon? Yeah. <laughs> I've, oh, I've, I've, I've tanked yeah. in companies before. Mm. I mean, I got fired mm. before. I tanked in companies. Mm. Right. You know, you can't be successful all the time. Um, so I've had some bad situations where I was like, oh, what the, right. you know, right. what the heck? Yeah. And you just, so, and, go ahead, Nicole. Question for you. When you've tanked, what was it that you did after you tanked that pulled you out of it? Mm, good question. The first time I didn't do it well, I will say that. What happened? Tell us. But now, 
Oh, I want to know what you didn't me, do it, well. It took, me, it took me a very long time. I lost confidence in myself for mm. a long time. And it took me, it took me, uh, it, it took me a while. It took me mm. a while. Because I had, I had never been in the situation I was in. And I, it just kept coming and kept coming. And I was like, this is tough. This is tough. Do you, I mean, do you have any, looking back, can you yeah. pinpoint something that pulled you out and, and yeah. do you have any advice for somebody that's been in that situation? So what, what, what pulled you, what turned it around for you? I just look back and I, I, I think I was, I was finally sick of being that way. I was sick of being that way. I got sick of being that way. I said, you know what? I can sit here and wallow in this and I can say, oh, always this or that. Um, I don't know if I read something or I, but I I just got sick of it. I said, you know what? I'm going to move. I'm going to move and get going. And then now it's like, you know, something like that now would, it would, it would suck, but it would, you know, it's not, it's not going to cause a lot of challenge. So, Hey, I'm going to drop a few. Hey, we've got Michelle dropping, you know, accidental learning. I believe you develop talent, Damon. And then, Hey, uh, Tomei, am I saying that correctly? I keep saying that over promising under the living is a tough position to be in. If you can, we'll come down here. Let's see. Good things, time to build. So does trust. And Mike is here. Happy. Mike Panaki. Mike, what's going on, man? Mike has got the baddest television studio in (laughs) the world in his office. I'm not kidding you, dude. Mike has got it. Mike, we got to come party at Mike's yeah. house. Oh, oh, I'm not kidding. He's got like moat camera. Oh, it's awesome. Well, it's Mike, awesome. thanks for everybody. Thank you for yeah, joining us. Nice. Drop us a note. Give a little love to Damon because Damon is on the hot seat today. So usually Ooh. you guys are coming here and you're used to Damon interviewing amazing, incredible week uh, guests week in, week out here Tuesdays at 6 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific. But we have flipped the script and our dear friend Damon. So Damon, let's go here for a minute. Talk about when you when you started uh, when you started the company with Andrew. Like what yep. what was the inspiration? Uh, let's go there. I, I I wanted to start a company like Exit Way from the very first time I was in Seattle and we sold the business. Oh. You know, and we did it lots of times back and forth. Other transactions after that, but that first transaction was the first time that I was able to come in, build it up get the team, get everything. And I was part of the team that sold it. And it was an awesome experience. And I said, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this for people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I already knew I didn't want to do it necessarily being in the business anymore, but I wanted to do it. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, so I have, I'm a fourth generation entrepreneur and I got to tell you, like there's such a need for what you offer. There's so many businesses that just have no clue. They're not thinking about it. They There's all this family drama situation. People die unexpectedly, you know, and there's just such a need for, for, your, for what you're offering to be able to not just sell the business, but help position it to be um, successful. So I love, love, love what you're doing. It's, it's super cool. Super cool. And you also, so let's dig into exit your way, Damon. And what I love, you really, you kind of have a, uh, it's, it's, it's your mission. It's your war cry. That's like a Mm -hmm. social element. um, If I'm saying that correctly of like really kind of embracing and nurturing as you're describing Nicole, those entrepreneurs. And as Mm -hmm. we just said, 
whether as every single entrepreneur on the planet, at some point in time, you are going to exit your business, whether yeah. you like it or not, whether you want to or not, or whether you do it on your own terms or not. Damon, talk a little bit about like, what was your inspiration behind exit your way and really kind of helping the, like, what were you seeing on the streets where you're like, man, these people need help, not just a broker, you know, like there's brokers yeah. in no, dis, no zero disrespect yeah. to brokers because they do amazing work, but you take it to a different, uh, mm -hmm. a different strategy from just like a traditional broker. Let's go there. Yeah. I, when I started working with Andrew Cross, my, my current partner in 2015, um, and we, and I, you know, I've been around buying and selling businesses, right. But when you, when you talk about investor owned businesses, it's usually like me selling a business to Kurt because we both have these, these different kinds of businesses and they're in, in the investment world, they move around like people move, move, uh, cards around, you know, like monopoly, uh, uh, you know, street, whatever it is, when you yeah, buy the little properties, the properties in Monopoly, yeah, yeah. they move it around like that. And they, and the businesses they have are usually set up a certain way so they can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And to get into that class is a hard thing. And I, and I, I learned that in, in the first business that moved me to Seattle, because that's what those guys were doing. We were building it up to sell it into the market, just like we do now. Um, but I, I'd never really been at the broker level where you're just, you're, you're going in and you're going, Hey, we're going to sell your business for you. You're ready to sell. We're going to do it. And I didn't at that time understand how woefully underprepared most businesses are. Yeah. Woefully. Oh, it's not even, it's not even close to it's a, that's being nice. That's being nice. Right. Well, isn't it something like 95% of businesses don't sell? Isn't it, isn't it something like that? It's, it's crazy like that. Yeah. You know, you read all over. Some people say 70, 80, 90. It doesn't really, I mean, it's, yeah. it's enough. So that, it's so that, it's enough yeah, that you so, have, that's the reason why you have a job. Thank goodness. You got a, you definitely got product market fit, Damon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you think about it. I, I did this, I did this. Uh, it's about the same odds as, as launching a startup and it lasting 10 years. Wow. So here's my question <laughs> for you. That's crazy to put it in that perspective. Yeah. For someone like me who is new, okay, my business is less than five years. Yeah. Okay. Building, growing. And I'm sure there's a lot of business owners listening, same situation. What would you advise for someone who's like, because frankly, to be honest, when you're just starting a business, you're just like trying to get it off the ground. You're not like, oh, yeah. you're not really yeah. thinking about, what am I going to do 10, 20 years ago? You're thinking about how am I going to yeah. make this work this yeah. year? <laughs> so like what? today. Yeah, exactly. Like, how am know? I going to cover payroll on Thursday? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, exactly. and so I think, man, it takes a special skill to be able to do both, to be able to look short term and also be able to think long range like that. So what would you advise for someone? Because, you know, clearly you've got that long range. That's what your business is all about. Like, got to think long range. How can we do this? Yeah. What would you advise to someone like me or someone who's new, who's in the thick of it? And like Kurt said, who's really like literally just trying to make it day to day, just trying to make pull payroll. What are some steps that, that we can be taking now to yeah. set ourselves up for success so we don't turn into that majority statistic? Because I don't want to be that. Man, yeah. when the day comes, I want to be able to sell this thing and I want it to there be you valuable, go. you know? There you go. And you'll be able to if you if you do the right things. And, you know, I think yeah. the first thing is envisioning where you want to go because it is perfectly okay to say, mm -hmm. I want to run a business, I want to make a few bucks, and I'm going to close it down when I'm done. Yeah. 
but know that going in. Because if that business is going to generate the wealth you need after that, then you got to make sure that your business is making enough and you're putting money someplace else. You're not going to have terminal value for it. Just yeah. make sure. But if that's what you want to do, do it. If you want to build it and you're going to sell it to somebody else, well, what, what do you want them to be able to buy that's going to be of value? What do you want your legacy to be? Know that now, even if it seems kind of crazy, because you got to start working on it today because you don't get you don't get a multi-million dollar business without, you know, it's going to take some work and you're going to get, you know, you're going to get kicked in the teeth a few times uh, and have to get back up. And, and, you know, yeah. I'm going to lose these curly whites. That's going to happen. You probably, you, you, <laughs> you just, you'll put a mouth guard well, in. You'll feel it coming. You got, what was the quote? Remember the gentleman in Alaska? That oh, yeah. interviewed? <laughs> the, the dog tree. What, do you remember his quote? What is entrepreneurship? Do you remember it? Oh, it's oh. a knife fight in a ditch. <laughs> yeah, it's a knife fight in a ditch. It is. It really is. It's a knife fight. In God a ditch. bless him. He's a yeah, he's, a, yeah. he's an army. Uh, he's oh, an yeah. Iraq hero. Awesome, was injured dude. was injured in the Iraq yeah. war, and he yeah. described entrepreneur knife on our show. In he interviewed. <laughs> he said entrepreneurship is. is a knife fight in a ditch. I yeah. thought that was brilliant. Damon, let's go here for a minute. We had a dear friend of ours, mutual friend, and she wrote a book, Elaine, Elaine Pofeld. She was on, yeah. I guess, on our show, and she wrote a book called uh, Tiny Business, Big Money. Tiny Business, Big Money. Yeah. And boy, both you and I were in that book. How cool was that? We were both in that book. And one was was your client, Kelly. Mm -hmm. You don't mind me sharing that. Talk like, the, and, and again, I know you're very humble, but like this has been a rock star success. And what I love about this, Nicole, is like you have an entrepreneur, second generation, you know, took, took over his dad's business. It was office supply business, very traditional, selling commodities, mm -hmm. you know, just there's a dime a dozen, you know, you're competing yeah. against staples, staples and office mats mm -hmm. and, you know, all the major brick and mortar, let alone Walmart, everybody else. Right. And Damon, just kind of walk us through the humility that Kelly had to show to say, to raise his hand and say, I need help. And like mm -hmm. how you brought this expertise into this business and like what a wonderful success story. Can you just share a little bit of, of that experience working with Kelly? Uh, it's been, it's been a real blessing to be able to work with him and watch, watch, watch him develop. And just, it just helped to be um, an idea generator once in a while, a place to, to bounce things off of, and then really to watch what you can do if you really will take the time to in, invest in knowledge, learning what you're going to do and then execution, mm -hmm. because it's not, his business is not an easy business mm -hmm. at all. Uh, and, uh, but it's, it's one of those things where you go from, are we going to, you know, is it going to work until you go now it's working and right. then you go now it's, now it's working better. And you go now, hey, we're kind of getting good. And then you go, boom, you get that, you're in that knife fight, right? And then yeah. you gotta get to get come back a little bit. But it's really been something to watch the 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 that and and watch him grow and watch the way that that goes because you really understand e-commerce is such as you know, coming out of manufacturing, you always felt and saw things. And the thing that I really enjoy about working with e-commerce, the electronic nature makes you have to be so much more in tune with the data and the information that's running behind it because it can go to heck in, in a matter of a few minutes mm. 
if you don't know what's going on. I mean, literally had times where, you know, if you, if I do not recommend us ever even testing this, right. But if you're sitting here and you're managing, I mean, with his company now, he's managing, I don't know. It's, it's, it just went up a bunch, but I think it's close to 750,000 SKUs we're managing on, on like six different platforms. And, uh, and with, I think we're up to 10 suppliers now. So it's, it, you know, you're doing all this and data's moving and orders are moving. And if you get, if a data, a data point uploads wrong from someplace to somehow, so say my $10 item is now $5, yeah, you would not believe, you yeah. not believe how much demand there is on Amazon or a place like that <laughs> when, when you have a price that's way too low. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, it's just like the orders kick, you know, it's that fast. So it's a, it's an amazing thing because you have to be on your toes. And I think I was, I think I was telling you about it, Kurt, it's a 24 seven job when you're doing e-commerce. And uh, I think, and I was telling Kurt about this. We used to always, when we were farming, we used to say, man, you don't want to be a dairy farmer because you got to milk cows morning and night, seven days a week. And I think e-commerce is worse. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So that's, a, so that's my question to you. You mentioned that he has, this is a hard business. Would you say across the, like, what would you, if you were to say like, what are the easiest businesses from what you've seen to run and manage versus some of the hardest businesses? What would you do? Can you categorize it like that? Or it's just too complicated? No, no. Either everyone's got its challenges. Yeah. I was yeah. hoping you'd give me the, the golden ticket to the easy. Yeah. You're looking for the, the easy. Uh, button. No, there's no easy button. There. No easy button. Damon, how about this? Are you, do you, so Nicole, we had the blessing of visiting entrepreneurs last week and you know, yes. a couple yeah, all of them awesome. just hugely successful. Yeah. Damon, you came on the lives and Damon, we visited a bunch of uh, entrepreneurs in Alaska. Do you yeah. see a common thread with folks that like, you know, you have the entrepreneur that can, you know, you know, I always said like, you know, they're, they're, they're doing great. They, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. bought yourself a job, but you know what? It's your job and you're not, you know, you, you, you do your own thing. Then you have like the next level entrepreneur, then the next level on like, do you see a common thread or a trait of like the next level entrepreneur that really can take it to, to, you know, to hit their dreams, hit those goals? Yeah. You have to be able to duplicate resources. I mean, you have to understand where your next step are and duplicate resources, right? Because in the beginning, you're the brains, you're the execution, you're everything. Okay, what's next after that? Because when yeah. I get to a certain point, I have to I have to backfill and I have to keep mo- I have to keep moving forward and I have to backfill so I got more resources. That yeah. that is the key in growing a business. I don't care what you're doing to go from whatever to whatever. Now that changes and gets more complex as you go because usually a founder-led business will get to a certain point and they're like. They just can't do it. And because, mm-hmm. because that takes a structural change in the business where we go, Damon can't manage the six to 10 people that are running the business anymore. We have to establish a management team and, and do mm-hmm. a bit more in there. And that's where a lot of people stop. But that, that from that initial up to, you know, you can go 10, $20 million by just understanding where do we have to add resources next and to duplicate our, our resources to be able to do more and, and doing it smart on the way. Nicole, mm-hmm. I haven't had dinner yet, but man, that was like a strawberry rhubarb pie right there. <laughs> oh, so good. You know, my dad used to say the same thing, but he, he built an eight-figure business. And I remember, mm-hmm. I'll never forget him saying to me, the best thing I ever did was when I learned to replicate myself. Yep. And he, sa- he said that 
over and over again. He's like, there's no way my business would have grown if I hadn't have replicated myself. And uh, so I think that's great advice. And they don't have to be as good as you. They get 75, 80% as good as you. That's just fine. Mm -hmm. And and just know where's the next step to do that all the time. What do you think about this like solopreneur trend happening where these people are like building these solopreneur businesses and they're like, you know, the tiny business, Elaine Pofold, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what's your vibe on that? Cause that seems to be really, really like trendy right now. It's really popular. Everybody wants to be a solopreneur yep. and have a highly profitable business. What's your vibe on that? Still going to be a knife fight. <laughs> Choose your battle. Choose your battle. I mean, nobody's going to have it easy. I don't care who you go, who your coach is. I don't care who you're following. I don't care who. It's going to be a knife fight. I'm glad you brought that up, Kurt, because he said he said it the best. Yeah, it really is. But you got to yeah. want it. You got to want it more than other people, because yeah, there's going to be. Well, you talk about work-life balance. Yes. Don't don't you know? Don't put your health at risk. Don't put your family at risk, and, and those right. kind of things. But every other second outside of that, you're going to have to do it. Yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be a, I think there's going to be a little pendulum swift coming the other direction. But anyway. Yeah. All right. All right. Funny stuff. So Damon, let's go here. So we did, uh, we did a, a super fun workshop and yes, you in a whole new light, man. Like you absolutely crushed it. We got into pricing, you got into exit strategy, you know, so I want to go there for a minute. When you're working, somebody reaches out to you. Can what walk us through like first steps of uh, as a matter of fact when you, you man we had a uh, an awesome place that we had in Alaska man was that yeah. a great place or what oh yep. my God, Nicole it was so perfect yeah right across really street from this major park like oh you know, God. it was like light until midnight and so like Damon yeah. and I out there, walking like, on trails remember we, we we stumbled on a rugby match at like ten at night remember that oh yeah, yeah. Damon's like hey. They was like, hey, this guy can play get out there and I'm like uh, I'm like dude they bring me like a pretzel you know so. All right, back to the uh, back to the workshop. I, I I digress. My my apologies. So when folks reach out to you, what's kind of the first step? Uh, I I heard a couple of calls that you were on of like that yeah. first step, and I just man, I was like I was like a sponge listening. Walk us through that first step. Hey Damon, I'm entrepreneur. You know, Mister and Mrs. Entrepreneur. We're starting to think about it. Like, what what's your process? What are some of the questions that you start that you start out with? Yeah, it's really it, it really starts with what what do you want to achieve? What are you trying to do? What's your, what's, what's next for you? Do you have any idea what, what that really means in terms of your, you know, do you want to get out of your business and do whatever? Do you want to, what, what do you want to do? Why are you doing this? Right. Really get to understand where they're at. Cause a lot of people call us that are frustrated. It's like, ah, I don't want to be in my business anymore. I'm going to tell you that's the wrong reason to leave your business because you won't work. But it's, it's really about what's next. What, why are you doing this? Right. Why are you doing this? And then you go down to, let's talk about your business a little bit. If you really want to get rid of your, not get rid of, but you want to sell your business, exit. right? Yep. Exit your business. Um, have you thought about it? Have you prepared it all? Have you, do you really know what it's worth? Have you even got any idea? Yeah. And uh, it's really trying to get, understand where they're at and then start to give them information. And go, well, you know, if your business is making about this much, you can you can tell somebody about what it's going to be. You, know, you can do more detail later, but you really got to start there and and see if they are informed enough. Because it's it's all about just educating people at the beginning. 
there's so much not to, I mean, cause it's not like selling a house, right? You can't just go put it up and everybody knows you gotta, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen. Even houses now, everybody stages their house, right? right. Everybody stages it. They go, God, it all looks better than when you live in it. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's, it's, you gotta do the same thing with a business or it's just not going to sell anymore, mm. but it's, it's figuring out where they're at. What are they trying to do now? Yeah. And you, if I had this correct, you gave me some odd, like the best time to sell your business. What, what didn't we talk about this yeah. in Alaska? Like what's the best time to think about selling your business or what's the best time to like really start taking that action? When you love it the most, when you love it the most, Nicole, it's the time to sell because if you love it, the next person's going to love it. Everybody's going to feel it. They're going to want it. They're going to want it. I mean, when you're jamming, when you're jamming so hard and you're like, this is awesome sell your business because the next person is going to feel that awesomeness and they're going to be able to take it and keep going with it. Isn't That's that really brilliant. Oh, but the, you know, here's the thing, Damon, here's the thing. Okay. I know you've heard this, this cliche, you hear this cliche all the time. Like your business is your baby, you know? Mm. And I got to say, like, from my experience, there is like, I, you know, there's an emotional, yep attachment like you're building something like you are mm -hmm. putting your whole heart and soul into it like that i think is like to, when, and when you're at the point where you're loving it the most to mm -hmm. let to know and to walk away what a hard choice that is you know like sheesh i just that's got to be tough for those those folks in that position you know so what do you say to people when they're like my business is my baby what do you tell them? Then you shouldn't sell it. You're not ready. <laughs> You're not ready. Oh. I mean, I, I, Hey, there's a lot of people that shouldn't sell their business. They shouldn't sell yeah. it, but prepare, prepare because your family's going to get to deal with it then uh, or yeah. somebody else. But um, you know, that's one of the key things. What are you going to do next? Because yeah. really you, you look at our, our lives, whether we like it or not, our lives are, you know, we're ever changing. Right. And mm -hmm. we're going to end our work, whether we, we wait until Deming, like they're just about dead or we, or we get out early, you know, it's really, I mean, I, I, you look at this, right. You look at Harrison Ford now he's 80 and then in the news and he's talking about, Hey, I don't want to quit acting. Well, cool. If he wants to keep doing well, this. AI, great. he can live yeah. on forever. Right. Yeah. Awesome. But, it, but it's, it's really, you gotta, you, you gotta think about what's next because that, that what's next for you should be pulling you towards it rather than your business, keeping you there. Yeah. And the people that I see that are really interested about exiting their business. I mean, our, our clients are usually in their forties or fifties. Why is that? Because they want to generate wealth and they want to go do something else, mm -hmm. whatever it is, whatever it is. Phase and three, phase two. yeah, the next phase, the next phase could be philanthropic. That's what a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do. Uh, they start different businesses or hobby right. businesses. Right. I mean, what the heck was it? The We sold, and I don't want to name drop too much, but a former executive of, a, of one of the major shoe companies in the world, uh, a bicycle shop. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And Damon, I want to, I want to hit a point. You and I had the blessing and gift of interviewing Carrie Smith. Carrie Smith was yeah. the founder. Not one well, technically not even the founder. No, he was the CEO of big ass fans. Excuse my language, but he was, the, <laughs> he built this company. <laughs> he 
he he what a great story man go back and catch that episode what the oh, guy yeah, he writes for ink magazine brilliant yeah. entrepreneur he walked into like this little garage and he saw these this giant fan and he said angels were singing trumpets were playing like his like he he'd been a struggling failed entrepreneur mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. saw these big giant fans bought the company built and sold it for half a billion dollars sold it for half a billion that's a lot of zeros 500 yes. million dollars and damon do you remember what he shared when he was interviewed when he talked about selling his company and boy it was your baby wasn't it your baby he said you know what it was not my baby. It was like my pack of gum. And when I was done with that pack of gum, I sold you my pack of gum. And it was now your pack of gum. I'm like, I'm telling wow. you. Yeah, he was stone cold about it. I, he was stone. And I'm telling you firsthand. With big, so I was fortunate enough, sold a business. And if I could if I could have had that, remove the emotion from it. Boy, I'm telling you, you're, you're going to be so much better off. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to just share that real quick. Yeah. Dave, I don't like, dude. How long do you go? Do you go to the top of the? No, hour? this is this is about it for us. Okay, We're so let the full rapid fire. Do you have any rapid, rapid fire? Rapid fire. We're doing it. Okay. Rapid fire. We're doing a lightning round. Damon, you ready? I'm ready. You do, I'm ready. Does he need a stretch? Okay. Does he? Need a stretch? Oh God, there's a lot of cracking. Take a deep that. breath, Damon. Take it. Oh, yeah, ready go. for this? Okay. If you are a spirit animal, what's your spirit animal? I You're heard this animal. question the other day, so yeah. I was thinking about it. Yeah. I would have to say I am a flying elephant. <laughs> okay, now you got to explain that one. A flying elephant. Well, because Why? I don't think I'm an eagle, but I do think that I, I kind of, you know, elephants to me are always like, yeah, we're here. We're catching it all. That's kind of like Yeah, me. you know, that's true about but, you. But then you, you think about flying. You. You're just. Yeah, it's like. And if, and if something comes down, they, they can take care of it if they need to. Yeah. I love it. Good answer. Very nice. Damon, I like it. I've never heard flying elephant. I've heard golden retriever in a china shop. Never heard flying elephant. That's great. Okay. What would be your spy code name? Oh, God. Spy code name. Oh, did Ben Baker get that so quick yesterday? I know. He's, I think he's been asked it before. Yeah. If you were a spy, spy what would name. your code name be? Oh. Zen Master. Uh, the the, the Zen Cleaver. Master. I don't know. The Cleaver. <laughs> what did you say? The Cleaver. The Cleaver. The Cleaver. <laughs> like a, the big chopping knife. Yeah, that's, 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 that's true. Good. You do do that on your show a lot. That's like kind of yeah. like your MO. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I love it. Okay. If you had to guess... What's one thing people would say they most appreciate about you? Uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty that and, and persistent. Uh, yeah, I can see both of those things in you. All right. He's, what do you think? Would you second that, um, Kirk? He, you guys he's great listener, just great friend, loyal to, to mm. like boy, you know. I'm a huge, huge dog fanatic. He is loyal, like your best, like he's, he's man's best friend. So he's just, I'll tell you, such a blessing to me. I could go on and on. we'd be, we'd thank be you. here all night. So Damon, thank you for just being an awesome dude, awesome friend. And, and uh, it's great. So I agree with every, all of the above. Oh man. Okay. I got a few more. Okay. What is uh, your favorite book? My favorite book. I would have to say. God, there's so many. Uh, 
But, you know, I, I really think that the one that was interesting for me um, in the last couple of years was Dr. Wayne Dyer, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. It's just an interesting book to read. And it talks about the, the Tao, if I'm saying it right, the, the yep. Chinese yep. Uh, teachings. It's, it's just it's a real thought provoking book. Um, but I'm a book junkie, so I've got a book. I was a, I'm a huge Wayne Dyer follower. And Damon, we talk about the word, yeah. uh, the words, radical humility. Yeah. That came from Wayne Dyer. We talk about yeah. like radical gratitude. Like that yep. was his boy. He, yep. if you're not familiar with Wayne Dyer out there, boy, just, you? like he's from the seventies and eighties. He's like the old, oh. you know, Zen. He's, he's the original Zen master. Nicole. Yeah. It's real. It's Check real. Out. Check yeah. out. I Wayne. don't know. Damon will always be the Zen master no, to me. No. There's no one else no. in my mind that could ever replace Damon <laughs> Zen master. Yeah, yeah. Don't look back in time. That's the that. thing. But see, that's what makes you a great Zen master. In my opinion, because you have mastered it with massive. Distance. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, take it. That's all I got for my lightning round. I think we should end. There we go. Damon, the Zen master. Hey, we're just gonna savor. It's, it's dinner time. We're just savoring. Well, on the East Coast, we're just savoring a little ampard pie, man. That's all. Thank you guys for coming in today. I didn't, you know, we didn't plan this until last weekend. We had the gas cancel, and it was. Uh, and and you suggested this. I reluctantly said yes. But it's been fun. It's been fun. Oh, I mean, you didn't throw too many curveballs your way, right? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's it's not not like I had to good stuff. Do well, stuff. But thank you so much. Hey, so everybody out there, welcome. Or well, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome for giving you a little a little gift of Damon Pastoka. Damon, thank you, dude. Thank you for being such a go giver all the people that you bring on your show and just you shine a light, bright light on everybody. It was just a blessing for Nicole and I to spend yes. a little time, get to know you a little bit better, hear your story and your background, your superpowers. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Love you. Thank you. You dude don't know where I'd be without you. Thank you, man. Thank you guys so much. You're the best. Well, we'll, end, we'll end it now. We'll end it now. Thanks everyone for listening. See ya. Thanks, Nicole. Bye everyone.